Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun. FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. Lemon, lime, and a drop of cherry make a simple Shirley. But what happens when Tito's handmade vodka reveals this sweet sipper's dirty secret? Stir up a Tito's dirty Sherlock and crack the case with Tito's at titosvodka.com. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. Scared to Death is explicit in every way. Please take care while listening. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no home, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hello, Dan. I'm Lindsay. Hello, Lindsay. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You you seem like you are feeling much more awake than you were on the recent um, bonus episode. Oh, my God. That was the most tired I've ever seen you in the studio. You mean when I practically fell asleep? Drew, when you fell asleep sitting up. (laughs) (laughs) If you're a Robert or an Annabelle, that bonus episode from August is so, so, so funny. And I even put it in the description. I was like, sorry, guys. I'd really have heavy lunch and it was really hot in there <laughs> but I just was doing that thing that every person has done in mm-hmm. some academic situation where your teacher's droning on about shit you don't care about and you're like <laughs> oh man that was that teacher apparently well no it couldn't be helped it was not your fault yeah. I was I wasn't in a good headspace I was like, yeah, oh, you're, I don't coming, know. you're coming down from the camp there's a lot of things <gasps> it's so many and we have a lot of things today, so okay, we're so going to try and focus and burn through these announcements. Um, starting with a really quick just thing, we have we have Layla tattoos. Mine is just healing, so it looks a little little dry. I know this. Well, we have them on socials, I believe. My guy's upside down. Yeah, so not the not the but best not really. with our camera angles. But thanks to Will XX for actually coming in after camp and tattooing us with our Layla voodoo doll, uh, you know, little tattoos. I mean, like it's right an exact camp. replica. Really cool, and you um, can and you can find him. Will XX. <laughs> Mine's upside down. <laughs> he does uh, San Antonio, uh, Salt Lake City are his primary locations for tattooing. He's an awesome dude, big fan of the show, uh, good friend. And then he'll travel to other locations as well. Um, merch announcement that is super cute. Uh, the new cute cryptids collection is now available for little creeps and peepers. It's so cute. Four unique monsters that are pretty adorable. Uh, Logan named them. We have Clarence, Milton, Lawrence, and Oscar. Bless. Uh, also have an acid tie-dye tee with uh, all four for your adult creeps and peepers. If you want something monstrous to wear but not terrifying, these are for you. You can head on to badmagicmerch.com and check them out. Uh, also a reminder that once you receive your merch, you can go back to the website, leave a photo review at the bottom of the product page for the items you want to show off. Uh, it's so cool to see uh, all of you with your swag on there. Thank you for doing that. 
I keep forgetting to mention I'm back on tour. Woohoo! Here we want, go. Yeah, I got some cool tour announcements. If you want to check out what I do stand up comedy wise, uh, I got two tours coming up actually. Clubs this fall, then my first theater tour this winter. You guys, that's how like a uh, as soon as he says that, my eyes like fill with tears. I'm so it's proud so of much. you. Oh, thanks, baby. It's like such a huge, huge, huge accomplishment. Oh, it's crazy. Uh, for the for the Symphony of Insanity club dates this fall, I'll be at Huntsville, Alabama, Thursday, September eighth, uh, September 9th and tenth in Nashville, South Florida, uh, in just a few weeks, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Palm Beach, uh, Boston, October sixth through the eighth, Grand Rapids, Michigan, October twenty one, twenty two, twenty three. Then Austin, Texas, Louisville, Kentucky, Portland, Oregon, uh, finishing the fallout in Minneapolis, the Parkway Theater for a few prep shows, then a special taping, uh, December 9th and 10th. Special already sold out, couple tickets for the warm-ups left. Then, after that, you can go to dancummins.tv for all this, the Burn It All Down Theater Tour. Use the pre-sale code BADMAGIC to get tickets before they go on sale to the general public. Those will go on sale Wednesday, September 7th, 10 a.m. local time. And then they go on sale to the general public the next day, Thursday. A limited number of VIP meet and greets at these uh, shows for meetups after the show. And I'll be all over the place. Spokane at the Bing Crosby Theater. Boise at the Egyptian. Kansas at the Uptown Theater. Uh, I'll be at uh, Sacramento the Crest Theater. Uh, Denver in the Paramount Theater. Um, Dallas in the Majestic Theater. Vancouver at the Vogue Theater. Seattle, Neptune Theater. And so many more places. So a lot of places, Cleveland, Columbus, Philadelphia, uh, Indianapolis, and more, dancummins.tv. So check those out. I'll just be like the proud wife crying at every show. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm nervous for the size of the venues, but very excited. Yeah, you're going to be great. Uh, it's going to be fun. I'm very, ex- I'm very excited to, to jump back into stand-up mode this fall. Yeah, yeah. And as always, sometimes I'm at the show, sometimes I'm wandering around. So, you know, if you see me, feel free, like a little head nod, a little wave. Just please don't disrupt the show. <laughs> uh, that's the only thing that we would ask just you know whether Dan's on stage or the comic who's opening for him uh, yeah just like don't interrupt what they're doing just to be like oh my god Lindsay yeah, we, we had that happen a few times it's like it's <laughs> so sweet and I love it but then I feel bad for whoever's up on stage <laughs> and then you have our um, Patreon donation announcement and then we're off and running Oh yeah and good luck getting through this one without crying I am just tear buckets I know, over I've, here I've already done this one on uh, time sucking stuff so I feel like I've got it the emotions out but yeah it is uh, sad but beautiful yeah um, this month we are making a yet to be determined amount donation. As you guys know, we record in advance. We just don't have the dollar amount yet. We'll be donating to Kids Rock Cancer in St. Louis in honor of Jeff Burton. Uh, Jeff was a longtime staple on the Rizzuto show, and the show has supported Dan and Time mm-hmm. Suck and Bad Magic for a long time. Big friends, big fans. Decades on the radio at 105.7 The Point in St. Louis. Yeah. Jeff recently passed away at 55. Oh, so sad. Yeah, yeah he raised over $35,000 yeah. as he's passing away mm-hmm. of for, cancer himself. For kids for rock For kids cancer. that have cancer. Yeah. Uh, Selfless. An incredible human. Uh, kids Rock Cancer is an innovative program that helps children successfully cope with the unique emotional challenges that accompany a cancer diagnosis through the proven healing powers of music. Uh, through music therapy, Kids Rock Cancer helps children combat feelings of anxiety, depression, uncertainty, and helplessness. You can find out more at kidsrockcancer.org. Mm. And if you guys are of the praying type or not, just send out some some big love to Jeff, uh, his family who survived by his wife, Julie, and their two daughters, Abby and Casey. Absolutely. Hi, hi. And hug your people closer, because you just never know. True.
And now let's uh, let's go for some escapism. Oh my god, please! I need to stop crying. Let's go for let's go for some scares. Uh, what stories do you have today? I, or I can get I can talk about mine no, and then no, go back to you. I'm good. I'm good. I got okay. this. I'm a pro, Dan. Okay. Uh, my first story is a very interesting, unexplained encounter with what we don't know while camping. Okay. So I love that, and um, I especially love my second story today about a possession of somebody's dad. And I love that because my dad is on the other side of the producer's wall today listening in as we record. So how appropriate. Okay. Okay. I mean, my dad yeah, wasn't yeah. possessed. It was about somebody else's dad. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but you, you get it. You yeah, get it. Totally. Uh, I have my usual two. Um, I haven't had a haunted doll story in a while. This first one really gave me goosebumps. Uh, that changes today. And man, this is the uh, most wicked, haunted, cursed, possessed, whatever doll uh, we have come across so far, I think. Okay. This this thing is vicious. Uh, Next, we're going to head to the Appalachian Trail. Look at a couple examples of uncomfortable and frightening encounters with dark figures that have not only been reported to watch hikers, but also supposedly uh, to kidnap and attack them. Well, that's fun. Uh, If you believe these reports to be true, the story is going to really make you think twice about any hikes uh, you may have planned, especially if they were hikes uh, where you were alone. Anytime soon. That's good. I don't hike alone, so two <laughs> thumbs up for me. Uh, no setup on this first story. I know you got to show your socks off, and, I then, do. I, and then we're going to jump right in. These socks are from Caleb and Whitney. They're hard to see over the Layla Army. Thank you all for sending in Layla's <laughs> after my plea for a Layla Army. These hysterical socks say a shitting rainbows kind of day. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> they're very funny and they're very cute. So yep. thank you, Caleb and Whitney. There's so many socks out there in the world. So many socks. Who knew? Okay, here we go. You ready? I'm ready. Time now for the tale of the shadow and the doll. I was nine years old and about to enter the third grade. My family, my mom, dad, little sister Shelly, we'd all just moved to a new town again. I was a military brat and would later get used to it, but was pretty upset this time around, and we didn't know anyone in our neighborhood or at my soon-to-be new school. When I was a bit younger, I'd been obsessed with dolls, and my grandma who would always be a bit behind when we grandkids actually, or where we grandkids actually were, age and interest-wise, when it came to gifts, sent me a doll that reminded her of one she had when she was a kid. A chatty Cathy reproduction. It was battery-powered, had a pull string, and when you pulled it, she'd cycle through the typical sayings of stuff like, let's play house, please change my dress. I named her Tina, and while I was too embarrassed to take her to school or to anywhere else in public, I did play with her a lot around the house and in the backyard when I first got her. She was my only friend, other than my sister, the first few months after the move, and very quickly she became very real to me. Then she became way too real, and things got really scary. I started noticing weird things about Tina about three months after I got her. I started hearing a voice somewhere nearby when I'd play with her. A man's voice. It was distant at first, the faintest whisper. For quite a while, I thought it was coming from the TV downstairs. Then, when it got a little louder, I thought it was my dad but I'd come to learn he wasn't home the first couple times it happened. When it happened, I'd usually be playing with Tina in my room, and I'd hear her say something like, or the voice of this man say something like, a pretty doll for a pretty girl. Or maybe, sorry you have to start over again, Michelle. Your mom and dad shouldn't do that to you. I heard those phrases clearly, like someone was saying it from just outside my room, or from the other side of my room. Who are you? I finally asked, hoping this was all somehow just my imagination. And then what was not my imagination answered me back. Oh, boy. A friend, Michelle. A friend of Tina's. You sound like a stranger, I responded without really looking to see where the voice was coming from. I was getting nervous. I'm not supposed to talk to strangers. I'm not a stranger, 
Like I said, I'm Tina's friend. How come I can't see you, I asked, voice starting to shake a bit. I was truly scared now. I suddenly stood up and spun around, eyes scanning the room, hoping to figure out where this man might be hiding. Don't be scared. Someday you'll see me, the voice said. And then he added, pull Tina's string and ask her if I'm a friend. Everything's okay. You'll see. She'll tell you. I walked over to the door of my room, opened the door, and after bracing myself a bit, forced myself to peek down the hallway. I expected to see some scary-looking man, but there was no one there. I went to my window and peeked out. No one there either. Where was this guy hiding, I wondered. Please, just pull the string, the voice said again. I glanced at Tina. I was terrified to pull the string, but I did it anyway. And then startled, I dropped the doll when she said, You can trust him, Michelle. He's a friend. And then her eyes, they shifted, and I swear as I lay on the floor, as she lay on the floor by my feet, she stared right at me. Now I screamed, Go away! Go away! I don't want you in my room! I ran down the hall and headed down the stairs, crying. I found my mom and told her all about it. Years later, she told me that she thought I was just upset by the move and acting out. That I was letting myself think that a game of make-believe was real or something. I was too scared to sleep with Tina in my room that night. My sister Shelly, a year and a half younger, she'd always been so sweet, she offered to swap dolls with me for the night. She said she'd take Tina and that her new doll Marie, my grandma had given both of us dolls after our move, could have a sleepover with me that night. I was a bit embarrassed, but I accepted. And that night I slept fine. Marie was just a doll. She didn't say anything she wasn't supposed to, and nothing weird happened around her. I thought Shelly slept fine too, but years later she told me that Tina talked to her that night. No man's voice, just the doll. She said when she pulled her string, she started saying things like, Do you know that you're way more beautiful than your sister? Michelle's the reason your family keeps moving. Michelle should be nicer to you. You're always so nice to her. Michelle's not a good sister. She doesn't like you. She told me so. The next day I remember wondering why Shelly seemed so annoyed with me. She also didn't want to give me my doll back. I'm not sure I even wanted it back, but being an older sister, instinctively, I guess, I just didn't like her telling me I couldn't have my own doll, so I demanded she give it back to me, and Mom made her. I tried to get Tina to talk to me again that afternoon for hours, to say what she wasn't supposed to say. I must have pulled her string over a hundred times, and she never said anything off. Just the normal cycle of phrases. Where are we going? Please brush my hair. I'm hungry. Things like that. I was starting to think I had let my imagination get the best of me, but then that night, hours after my parents put me to bed, I woke up to hearing that damn doll say something scary again. Why did you send me away last night? I groggily opened my eyes and almost screamed when I saw Tina, but the scream got stuck in my throat. Strangely, I felt too weak to scream, felt like I was about to pass out. Someone, maybe even Tina, I guess, had moved the little chair I sat on to use my desk across the room over to right next to my bed. Tina was about 18 inches away from my face, sitting on the chair like a real girl. Before I'd fallen asleep, still creeped out by her, I'd set her with some of my other dolls on my dresser. Somehow she'd gotten down from the dresser and then climbed up onto this chair. Or she was placed there by someone. Did I do something wrong? Tina now asked. I only want to be your friend. Her face was blank, just a painted smile like she was supposed to have. Her eyes were open and staring blankly ahead like they should have been. You're scaring me, I whispered. You don't have to be scared of her, Michelle. She's only a doll. The man's voice again. This time I could see exactly where it was coming from. A shadowy form of a man stood in front of my door, blocking any chance I'd have at getting out of my room, which I now desperately wanted to do. I was so scared I peed the bed a little. You don't have to be scared of me either, he said. Tina and I just need your help with something. With what? I whimpered. With your parents. They're the reason you're here. They're the reason you don't have any friends. And they're going to keep moving over and over. 
unless we make them go away. After that last part, the man walked towards me and I could smell him. He smelled like he was burnt. He smelled so bad and he was cold. When he got closer, I couldn't make out the rest of his face, but I could see his eyes. And it looked like you could see hell inside of them. That's when I finally screamed. I kept screaming when my mom and dad ran into the room. The man was gone by then. It took them a while to get me to stop screaming. My mom told me years later that I really freaked her out that night. She thought something was seriously wrong with me, like I'd been broken somehow. When my dad held me still screaming, I peeked at Tina, who'd fallen on the floor when my mom moved the chair aside, and I swear I saw her eyes move and stare at me. And I saw her smile change into a devilish little grin. My parents made me go to counseling after that. They also got rid of Tina. Kind of. They were going to get rid of Tina, but Shelly begged to keep her. And they let her keep that cursed doll. Shelly would have Tina for several weeks after that. I can't believe looking back she was able to hide how she seemed to my parents for that long. I saw the change in her right away. She went from being mad with me to hating me in a matter of days. I knew that the doll was telling her more lies and probably the man too. She later told me that only the doll talked to her, at least up until the last night she spent with her. The last night anyone spent with that doll. I kept telling my parents to get rid of it, but they wouldn't listen. Eventually, they told me I was going to get in real trouble if I didn't leave the matter alone. It was one thing to no longer want one of my toys, but they made it clear that I didn't get to choose what toys Shelly got to play with or not play with. They didn't believe me when I told them what Shelly was, or what Tina was saying to me, or, and Shelly was saying to me, sorry, when we were alone together now. Shelly would deny it so well. The doll, the man, they, it, whatever, must have been coaching her. I was quickly earning the reputation of a problem child, a problem child who was crazy. And I was going crazy. I was so scared of what Tina and the man might do to me. I can still hear my sister's words. Tina told me what you said about me, Michelle, that you hate me, that you're jealous. Well, I hate you too now. Tina says that pretty soon, they're going to take you away. I can't wait. Make you live in a house for crazy people. When you're there, I won't even visit you. My sister was saying this kind of stuff all the time now. And then one day, she almost literally killed me. The house we lived in was two stories. Our bedrooms, my sisters, mine, and my parents, they were all upstairs. And one day when my dad was on base and my mom was outside talking to a neighbor, I walked down the hall to the top of the stairs to head down and watch some TV. The next thing I knew, I felt two hands against my back, and down I went. I must have done two full rolls down those stairs. I can't believe I didn't break my neck. Uh, I, didn't, uh, I did sprain my wrist, dislocate my shoulder, got a concussion, and even cracked some ribs. When I opened my eyes at the bottom of the stairs after getting knocked out for a few moments, I looked up at the top of the stairs and saw my sister standing there grinning at me. She was holding Tina. And Tina, without anyone pulling her string, said, Keep your mouth shut, Michelle. No one will believe you anyway. Then I noticed the shadow standing right behind them both, the shadow of the man I saw that night in my room. I screamed for my mom, and she took me and Shelly and that damn doll Tina to the hospital. On the ride there, I felt her watching me. My mom didn't believe me, of course, when I told her that Shelly pushed me down the stairs. She believed Shelly who said it was an accident. I came home worrying that I was going to die soon. Luckily, my parents finally saw something that made them feel guilty about how they'd been treating me that very night. Whatever that thing was, it was evil, it was sneaky, but it wasn't real smart. It should have waited until things calmed down a bit before trying to kill us all. I talked my sister into sneaking into my parents' room that night, opening my dad's nightstand, or it talked my sister into sneaking into my parents' room that night, opening my dad's nightstand while he slept and grabbing the loaded gun he always used kept in his top drawer. Thank God he also kept the safety on. My dad woke up to Shelly pointing it at him and saying, Sorry, Daddy, but I have to. Tina says you're a bad man. Mom's bad too, just like Michelle. I, well, you will always keep moving unless I stop you. And then she pulled the trigger as my dad yelled, Shelly, no, put it down. That woke me up. 
My mom said later that when she woke, she thought she saw a man standing behind Shelly, the shadowy form of a man. And then she heard the doll say, kill them all, Shelly, kill them all. My dad grabbed the gun, later saying, many years later saying, he saw the shadow man too, just as he grabbed for it. He felt the cold and smelled that awful burning smell. And scariest of all, he suddenly felt an overwhelming urge to take the gun, turn off the safety, and murder his whole family before turning it on himself. The man, the shadow man, got into his head. Luckily, he was able to block him out. He quickly popped out the clip, unloaded the bullet in the chamber, tossed the gun across the room, and scooped up Shelly. He wasn't even mad at her for what she'd done. He knew something very strange was going on. He ran to where the shadow man stood, turned on the light as I came out of my room. Everyone downstairs, he yelled. My mom jumped up and grabbed the doll that Shelly had dropped. I scrambled down the stairs, never taking my hand off the rail as I did so, afraid I'd get pushed again. My dad raced down behind me, holding Shelly. My mom ran with Tina the doll, Shelly, uh, after picking her up. The doll continued to speak on its own, telling us we were all going to die. We ended up heading into the kitchen where my parents turned on all the lights. What are you? My mom screamed as she slammed Tina the doll down on the kitchen counter. Where are we going? Tina asked, one of her stock phrases pretending to be a normal doll again. You're going to hell, my mom said. She turned the doll over on her stomach and as fast as she could, using a butter knife, she popped open the battery compartment. It was empty. <gasps> my mom screamed, Daryl, the damn thing is possessed. My dad handed off my crying sister to my mom, grabbed the doll, held it high, violently smashed its head down against the edge of the counter over and over again. Then he took the shattered thing out to the driveway, grabbing a can of gas from the garage on his way there, threw it on the concrete and doused it before setting it on fire. I'll be back, Tina said, adding a stupid little giggle. I'll be back to kill you all. And then it started to melt. After burning down into an unrecognizable mess, my dad sprayed it with a garden hose and put it in the trash bag. There was an empty lot across the street. A house sits there now, but there was nothing then. And he grabbed a shovel, took it over there, and buried what was left of the doll. If any neighbors would have woken up and seen any of this, I'm positive they would have called the cops. None of us slept that night. We stayed up and talked about everything. My parents apologized over and over for not believing me. Shelly apologized. She was herself again. My parents, not religious people exactly, but they did believe in good and evil beings. They assured both of us that none of this was our fault. The next morning, my dad had a good friend of his, a chaplain, agree to come over as soon as he was off duty for the day and give our house a cleansing. Incredibly, he believed the whole story. He was convinced that some kind of demon had attached itself to the doll, a demon that could manipulate the doll to speak and sometimes reveal its shadowy form. He both cleansed and blessed our house. He even went to where we buried the doll and prayed over the remains. And then that was it. The horror was over. That all happened a little over 26 years ago now. I've never had another paranormal experience, not even hearing strange bumps in the night. Neither has my sister or parents as far as I know. We never told my grandma all that happened. Why upset her? But my mom did ask her where she got the doll. She said she got it from some thrift store. I've long wondered who had it before us and if they knew what they were getting rid of and gave it to someone else when they dropped it off. I wonder if they did something to invite that thing in, to let it attach itself to that doll. So many questions, and I try not to think about any of them at night. I hate knowing what's possible now, that at any moment any of us could bring something like that into our lives, something that just wants to hurt, destroy, kill. Sorry, I probably shouldn't put thoughts like that out there. Maybe now I'm needlessly spreading terror, just like whoever dropped that doll off at the thrift store. Ah, there's also a doll behind your head, and it yeah. is killing me. <laughs> It's killing me so slowly. Just kept staring at it. Yeah. Isn't there one behind my head now too? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. Really uncomfortable. Yee. Ichi. Wow. So I, before we talk about, I have a few pictures of um, what these doll, well, what this doll would have looked like roughly. Okay. okay. So this first one is just a pick of a vintage Chatty Cathy doll. 
I don't. So I didn't know that like chatty Kathy was a thing because people will say like, "Oh, aren't you a chatty Kathy?" I didn't know it was in yeah, reference doll. to a doll. And there was different versions over the years, kind of like Barbie, I guess. Okay. And so there's like different a cabbage looks. patch doll, more like based on size. Yeah, yeah, and the, like so it's um. I, I, I mean, I didn't look far enough into it to find out there's like if she if Chatty Cathy had like friends with different names. Oh yeah. But I know when you look on like eBay where this picture came from of just Chatty Cathy dolls, there's yeah. uh, a variety. They're all similar, but a, a variety of different looks from like different years. Okay. Okay. Uh, this next is a uh, just a closer up photo of Chatty Cathy's face, and just the eyes are so realistic on these dolls. I know it's so creepy. That that's really really creepy. I mean, if any if any part of this story is true, it's like a real life like child's play type Whoa. situation, like full body chills. <laughs> I'm so so not liking it. And then just one more, uh, yeah, just a, a different doll that I just thought like the type of photo they took of it just looked extra creepy. It's just uh, that uncanny valley that happens with dolls. It's a little bit too lifelike, but not lifelike. I know that one has the most realistic looking eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our dog has realistic eyes. <laughs> true, especially Gigi has Gigi. realistic eyes. Yeah, Gigi has human eyes. Yep. Ooh, okay, well, first of all, love those parents. I love those parents so much. Not mm. Darren's at all. N- not doing the thing that so many of us feel like we would do in that situation if it was our kiddo. Like, oh, you're fine. It's not a doll. It's your imagination. Yeah. Like, Well, they did it f- at first. They were but it worried. it was quick. Right, but as soon as they saw anything at all themselves, uh, they acted. Yeah, yeah. And they weren't, it just seems like they weren't... <sighs> They seem, they, they seem reasonable. Yes, me. that yes, that's the perfect word for it. Thank you. I was yeah. stuck on an adjective there. Yeah. Uh yeah, yeah. I really, I really loved them. I love that they just like burned it down. Mm-hmm. You yep, know, like, yep. like that dad, Daryl, he went far. He took it all the way. He left no chance for that doll to come back. I mean, and what an extreme thing. Again, if this story is true, what an extreme thing to wake up to your kid like Dude. I mean, he pointing pointing your mm-hmm. self defense weapon like against you, yeah, and then and then but, but then also seeing something around her, it's like I I would hope that uh, I would do the same thing in that situation of like you got to try and destroy that thing immediately and bring and talk to someone immediately to like do some kind of cleansing. I something. know they were on it. Yes. They were super super on it. I also thought it was impressive that uh, the dad like. When he woke up and she was standing there, I mean, I know he's military trained, yeah. but like everybody has a different response in different situations. I mean, he diffused that situation so fast. Mm-hmm. He didn't yell at his daughter, like, what are you doing? You know, like he didn't try to make it about anything else and yeah. try to like get to yeah. the bottom of it. Uh, when they got downstairs and then the doll had no batteries in the back of it, right. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> That was the that was maybe the worst part about that whole story. Yeah, that, that little moment. Yeah. Oh, I know what I was thinking about when Shelly was standing by the bed. I was thinking about how all the times like your kid stumbles into your room in the middle of the night, like I have a belly ache, I don't mm-hmm. feel good, mm-hmm. and you're always like a little out of it, like oh, what? Am I mm-hmm. dreaming? Imagine that. Imagine like your kid comes down to get you, like mom, dad, I don't feel good, and then you look over and you see them, but then beyond them you see something. Ugh. That that yeah. was really. Really scary. Yeah, when she like groggily woke up to the doll and behind the doll was the form. Mm-hmm. Eek. Oh, no, no. I meant when they were in the, when the daughter went to the parents' room with the gun. Oh, yes. At the end of the, yeah, the cla- yeah, yeah. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. The doll somehow dragging a chair over to the, uh, to Michelle's bedside and sitting on it and being like, hi, Michelle. Na, 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 na. Imagine, uh, imagine if you could see like uh, 
security camera footage type oh. type footage of that happening. Yeah. Of like the chair just on its own sliding, maybe the doll just kind of floating over, or even worse, the doll actually mimicking human movement and walk, like climbing down the dresser, Ugh. walking across, climbing up the chair. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a little like plastic shoes. Yeah, against the the hardwood floors. Yeek. Oof. Oofta. Oofta. Uh, that is that is something. That is <laughs> something. Oh, uh, last thing that I'll say yeah. before we move on. The burnt the it smells like burnt paper. Now that has come up a Burning. couple. Of, I didn't. I, if I said paper, I misspoke. Or if you heard that, the burnt man. Oh, he smelled. I thought you said he smelled like burnt paper. It uh, just smelled like um, uh, he was burning. Like he was burning. Was way, 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 way back when, yes. very beginning, like I had this fan story about a car accident, I want to say. And, it, you know, the smell of burning flesh, like burnt, smelled, yeah. smelled like burnt paper. And we have had other people in the course of this show write in about like, and it smelled like burnt paper. Or it smelled like burning flesh. I think that there mm. might be another entity out there that we don't give enough, I don't know, credit or yeah. Uh, acknowledgement to where it's not the hat man it's not a shadow man it's like this burnt man I I, I'll, I always assume just uh, with as far as different kinds of lore there's the demonology lore mm-hmm. and the smell of sulfur mm-hmm. and the smell of like which is kind of uh, related to like uh, like volcanoes and things yeah. and uh, not always but like hot springs but it's like a, a hot type smell yeah I always uh, uh, associate burning with some type of a demonic like smell yeah, I don't think that you're wrong, but but they didn't say that it smelled like yeah. sulfur. It's like I think that True. this I think there is, you know, as we uncover so many different things here and we explore and question, it's like I have to wonder if this like smells like burning, smells like burnt paper, smells like flesh yeah. burning, if that is a, a different entity or demon of an in itself that just doesn't come up that often, so mm-hmm. we're not as familiar with it. And there could be just so much overlap too where it's like, you know, sure. uh, you know, we've talked about that with different people where the, the word demon, demonology comes out of like, you know, Western uh, Abrahamic religion, you know, religious lore. But then mm-hmm. there's, you know, other religions that have their own form of uh, basically yeah. an evil paranormal entity that just takes on different names. So there could be some creature like the shadow person could be the demon, could be the yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the jinn and, and all the, you know, these other entities. Sure, sure. Yeah. Based on your, your beliefs, it could morph mm-hmm. and change. Is that what mm-hmm. you're saying? Yeah, like the, tr- the, the semantics change yeah. around the entity that probably does not change yeah 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 mm-hmm. interesting okay you got anything else for the story are we ready, no. to, ready to move away from i'm re- i am ready to be done with dolls before we move out and head into the woods uh, we're gonna take a quick in-between story sponsor break please take advantage of these sponsored deals use our code landing pages so you can save money we keep getting sponsored Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun. FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. Lemon, lime, and a drop of cherry make a simple Shirley. But what happens when Tito's handmade vodka reveals this sweet sipper's dirty secret? Stir up a Tito's dirty Sherlock and crack the case with Tito's at titosvodka.com. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. 
Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Thanks for listening to those deals, creeps and peepers. Now for a creepy series of outdoor encounters with strange humanish entities at night. A little bit of setup at first on this one. The Appalachian Trail. I know some people say Appalachian. We've, <laughs> we've uh, gone over this. <laughs> It's a whole thing. We got it. We don't need the emails. Thank you, though. Uh, The Appalachian Trail is definitely one of America's most famous hiking paths, if not the most famous. Might also be the most haunted. Should you hike its entire length, the massive journey spans close to 2,200 miles. Runs from Maine to Georgia. Longest hiking-only trail in the world. For many, completing this monumental journey serves as a major point of pride. Even hiking a smaller segment can be a big bucket item list. An impressive accomplishment of strength and perseverance. Hiking the trail is even spiritual for some. So much natural beauty. From the mountain vistas to the gorgeous sunrises and sunsets and all the different terrain, it's no wonder it attracts so many visitors every year. The trail averages roughly 3 million annual visitors. Wow. Yeah, so many. I wonder how many know exactly what kind of risks come along with all that beauty. Much of the Appalachian Trail is desolate and remote, cutting through mountains and thick forests. And when you've been hiking for a few days and haven't seen civilization in a while, your mind can start to play tricks on you. Make you think you're seeing things that aren't real, or maybe not. Maybe what you're seeing is absolutely real. Maybe you're seeing something supernatural, perhaps some kind of otherworldly creature, or people who have been living in the wilderness for so long that they've forgotten what it means to be human. People who've made a pact with something not human that made them forget who they once were. Maybe they were once a hiker like you, but then got lost, encountered danger of some kind, and for some guarantee of safety, struck a deal with dark forces beyond their control. While the Appalachian Trail has been a source of beauty, again, for many, it's also been a source of terror for some. Let's explore that terror now. Time now for the tale of dark mysteries along the Appalachian Trail. The stories about the Appalachian Trail go all the way back to America's earliest days. Many have claimed for centuries to have seen strange lights and orbs along the trail. But the scariest sightings have been humanish figures. And the more recent claims seem to provide the most details. In May of 1972, one hiker claimed to see a ghost from another time. The hiker was walking alone when a heavy ground fog began to surround him. He looked up, and then inside this fog, he saw what at first he first thought was another person, walking with a heavy coat and wide-brimmed hat. Strange, the hiker thought, not the usual type of garb people usually wore along the trail. The strange-dressed man slowly staggered about, looking at the ground as if he were searching for something he'd lost. The man then started walking toward the hiker, still looking down at the ground, until he was just a few feet away, and the hiker stepped off to the side of the trail to avoid him, and his feet slipped a little on the edge. He quickly regained his footing, breathing a sigh of relief that he hadn't fallen to the ravine below, and was on the cusp of shouting something like, hey, watch it, man, when he looked up and gasped. The man had cloudy blue eyes that stared intensely straight through him. The hiker was also shocked to realize that the man's clothes seemed to come from a completely different time period. A wide-brimmed hat that looked ancient, a pair of pants that seemed to date to the early part of the 20th century, but a coat that looked almost new. The hiker was suddenly very afraid. He wondered if something he was wearing would be the man's next article of clothing. Quickly, he scampered down the path, hearing shouts behind him, though the shouts didn't sound quite human, almost as if a human were trying to approximate a dog's bark or a wolf's howl. 
couple yards away, he turned around just to make sure that he had a good description of the man if he decided to report him to authorities, still hoping it was just some crazy weirdo. But when his eyes swept back along the narrow path, the man was gone. The hiker hadn't heard any footsteps behind him, nor any rustling in the bushes that would indicate the man had walked out into the wilderness. He'd simply vanished. The hiker quickly returned to where he'd encountered the man, trying to discern where he'd snuck away to, look for tracks. Nothing. Didn't see, hear, anything. He'd uh, somehow ran away completely silently with superhuman speed or literally vanished into thin air. Later, he started to think that this man didn't completely disappear, though. He started to wonder if he was still somehow hiding nearby. Because for the rest of the trip, which now wouldn't last very long, when this hiker heard an animal's call or the rustle of the breeze or the trees, it would sound a little off, like an imitation of what the sound was supposed to sound like. After only a day of this, he decided to call off his hike and leave the trail. He was terrified about what might be waiting for him out in the woods, and he headed home before he saw that strange man again or something worse. A decade and a half later, in 1988, a different man was hiking along the trail when he noticed a bright light coming from the forest next to him at dusk. Not wanting to bother anyone, he didn't investigate, assumed maybe it was light from some kind of distant cabin or something, and he set up camp somewhere close by. Soon, He soon drifted off to sleep and then awoke with a start. As his eyes adjusted to the dark, he saw two eyes peering back at him. A man was leaning over his hammock. The hiker yelled out, and then the man quickly fled, yelling, He's awake! He's awake! The hiker had no idea who the man was yelling to. Terrified, he quickly packed up, put as much distance between uh, this guy and himself as possible, a distance that no human being would be able to travel unless they were right behind him. Hopefully, he told himself the man was just some petty thief, looking for an easy mark. And he was not an easy mark. To reassure himself he'd be okay if the man found him again, he touched the six-inch blade at his waist. He thought when he brought it along, he'd only use it for cutting food or whittling. But if he had to defend himself, he had it. After a few days of nonstop hiking, a few un uneventful nights, the man relaxed a little bit, and he set up his hammock overlooking a quiet stream. He once again drifted off, woke up to the feeling of his hammock suddenly cut down, his head cracking against the ground below. Wrapped up in the fabric, he could only make out the shadowy, sh shadowy shapes of people around him as they wrapped him and dragged him away. He didn't know how long they dragged him over rough terrain, rocks scraping over his skin, water seeping into the fabric until he thought he might drown. But maybe drowning would have been preferable because when they finally stopped, he felt the first crack come down. Bam! Bam! They beat him, felt like with sticks, over and over. Below his cries of pain, he could also make out some kind of ritual chanting. Low, throaty voices whispering to one another. Is he ready yet? A few more minutes. Then when they took a break from hurting him, they started to walk away and they began to speak in a language of low hisses he couldn't understand. But he did understand one thing. If he didn't fight back, didn't try to run, he was going to die. He wiggled his hand down to his side, remembered his knife. He didn't know how many people were out there, probably with weapons of their own, didn't know his chances against multiple opponents, but if he stayed, he knew for sure he'd wind up dead. He waited until the voices were a little further away before he started to cut his way out of the hammock. Moving slowly so as to not alert them, he cut a hole beneath himself, praying his plan would work. A few minutes later, the voices returned, and he felt himself abruptly lifted. He then scrambled through the hole, landed on his feet, took off into the woods without looking back. Behind him, he said he heard high shouts and screams, and then what sounded like pleading. He wondered now if something else was punishing them for failing to bring him to it. Even though he made it back to civilization, police inquiries into finding the people who kidnapped him came back with nothing, leading the hiker to wonder how the original man could have tracked him over such a long distance and why, and what was out there in the woods hurting and perhaps hunting people. This crazy claim was not a totally isolated experience. Another couple would say they experienced something similar another decade and a half later. In the early 2000s, 
a young couple was hiking along the Appalachian Trail in the southern part of Virginia when they experienced something they couldn't explain rationally. While they were asleep in their tent one night, they suddenly woke up to the sound of rustling and odd inhuman noises coming from outside their tent. The man went out to investigate, managed to scare off some type of shadowy human-shaped figure he saw lurking around. He almost chased after him, but then decided against it. Next night, they made their camp with, the backs, with their backs to the bottom of a cliff in order to be able to better defend themselves from any nighttime attacks. They both slept with their guns next to them, and sure enough, the figures returned. Once the man announced they were armed, the figures retreated. Uh, and there was multiple this time. But the couple would later wonder if the figures had been trying to lure them into a false sense of security, making them think they were safe while the beans waited to strike. Because the next day, the couple hustled to get out of their camping spot, and then around midday, they rounded a corner and saw a silhouette of a figure standing in the distance watching them from afar. They never could make out any identifiable details of this figure, or the other ones they'd saw previously. Dark Watchers, perhaps? The kind we covered in episode 119? The ones who've been spotted so often in the Santa Lucia Mountains of Central California? The couple were able to quickly get off the trail back to civilization. The whole time they were leaving, they felt like they were being watched and sometimes saw the silhouettes of figures in the distance. Who were these dark figures? They may have made themselves known to a different group just a few months later. This time a man was backpacking along the Appalachian Trail with a few other people, securing the fact that their group's numbers meant they probably wouldn't get into any serious trouble. He and his group awoke one morning to find their campsite surrounded by a thick mist. As they were packing up, they started to hear children's laughter coming from inside the mist, coming from all around them. Seriously spooked now, the group gathered the things as fast as they could, and once they were about done packing up, a group of kids led by one parent walked out of the mist and started to walk past the group. One of the kids spoke, asked the backpackers where they were going. Someone responded they were hiking the Appalachian Trail. Strange child started to laugh, as did the others. Then one of them said, this isn't the Appalachian Trail, and kept walking. The hiker and his crew, confused, nervous, finished gathering their things, started hiking again, hoping this incredibly odd encounter was isolated and behind them. But then throughout the day, the campers could hear giggling children all around them. Also, the curves and climbs of the trail didn't seem to line up with their map. The man wondered if somehow the kids were right, if they even were kids. He wondered if somehow they'd gotten off the Appalachian Trail and descended into some other dimension, some version of hell. He'd later report that two members of his group Two members of his group went missing that trip. They didn't notice till they got back because every time they made a head count, they always came back with the correct number. He'd also report that the entire rest of their journey, they distinctly felt like figures were watching them. What happened? He still doesn't know. That's another mystery of the Appalachian Trail. Ooh, so spooky out there. <laughs> yeah, that one definitely reminded me of the uh, the Dark Watchers story. I forgot about that until you brought it up. I was like, oh my God, that's right. Mm-hmm. It's such a strange phenomena. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I have a few pictures here too. Okay. Before we get into anything. Uh, this first one, just a, just a beautiful vista along the Appalachian Trail, which uh, I know neither of us have ever hiked. No, but it, it is gorgeous. Yeah, there's so many pictures online of just like different, you know, uh, scenic points along it. I mean, it's so long. Right. But there is so much beauty along the trail. No, you. I mean, you look at that, you just think like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I, I want to oh, hike yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this next one is another cool pic of just a different view along the trail. Cool. Yeah. And then I, I wanted to find at least one picture of like how the woods looked at night. So here is that where, um, you know, it is interesting, like with uh, the woods as someone who like, we both like to be out there hiking, Yeah, yeah. but it's, it, it is amazing. And I'm, maybe it's instinct because we used to be able to, uh, uh, we were more apt to be attacked by predators at night, mm -hmm. like early humans. But it is funny how, um, 
something so calm and peaceful and beautiful, that exact same kind of, you know, view mm -hmm. can become so foreboding and just, you know, scary at night. I mean, well, shadows, like that mm -hmm. alone, there's like the lack of light, the shadows, the yeah. sounds, it just gets so quiet at night. And then all these other sounds become so more crisp and clear. So like looking at that photo, I just think like, not only do I see it, but I feel it. I hear it. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, oh God, I want to be out there. Feel more helpless and vulnerable when you can't see as well. Yeah. Last one, just a dark shadowy figure. Somebody's a picture. And this might be Photoshopped or maybe they staged. I don't care. That's but creepy. Yeah, it just reminded me of like what you might see in one of these scenarios. Yeah, whether it's like some creepy unknown thing or just somebody yeah. camping, coming back from using the bathroom. Yeah, 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 <laughs> right? exactly. I mean, it could just be that simple. Oh, So the kid laughter, that is something I hate so much in any of our stories mm -hmm. because it never sounds the way it's supposed to sound. Right. It right. sounds like a weird kid laugh track. It's so uncomfortable. It's like Yeah, like when it shows up in movies and TV shows. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a trope in those for a reason. There is just something very uncomfortable about mm -hmm. uh, the hearing like, you know, like disembodied kid child's laughter. I know, I know, because like a child's laughter should be so innocent. So I think yeah. it's that juxtaposition against mm -hmm. what it should be versus what you're actually hearing. And yeah. it's it's not. It's not great. And then, okay, so in the first little tale that you told, uh, the the mimicking sounds, that like kind of like threw me. Because so it was like, you know, it's the... Oh, the, yeah. Like the vanishing man or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, things that they think they're hearing, but like maybe it's... Anytime there's any sort of mimic, yeah, that's not good because mm -hmm. then you can't trust yourself yep or anyone around you for that matter yeah and then the we had the oh the hammock being cut down <laughs> right right yeah that was bizarre weird, yeah weird little story in the middle there yeah i i mean that guy's lucky he got away and so fascinating that as he was running away it doesn't sound like they chased him at all but that they were immediately yeah begging for forgiveness or something whatever it's like oh that's weird <laughs> i know i've never heard anything like that like of of Let's just say they were trying to obtain a sacrifice. Yeah. And then the sacrifice gets away. And then instead of chasing after the sacrifice to, you know, complete the ritual, they're just what, like begging for forgiveness from their gods? No That's idea. New. Yeah, that was a that was a uh, interesting odd detail. Odd detail. Good, <laughs> good save. Good save. Odd detail. And obviously, like you know, we're always aware that the people posting stories, you know, could be full of shit. Sure. But, but uh, so, for some reason, I'm in moments like more apt to believe them. When there are just weird details that I've never heard before. I mean, not that you couldn't come up with something more original. Or, and I know it could be, you know, mental illness. It could be just like gibberish kind of like putting down. But like, and also it's like, it would be a weird, that would be a weird story to make up. Well, like, what's the purpose of making it up? Because Attention or something. Right. You know? But usually they're anonymous or under. Or, That's true. Under a pen name. So it's like, okay, let's just say I decide yeah. to write a really creepy story. And let's say I do a really amazing job. Yeah. And then I posted somewhere. So what? So for like one, you're excused. So for like one day, one month, people are like, oh yeah, this post and this Reddit thread was so creepy. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So it's not, my point is like, you say like, oh, well they, you know, they want the attention. It's like, yeah, but that attention is fleeting. It's yeah. not like, it's not like they wrote uh, a book and it's, you know, amazing and it's out there. It's like, no, it's just going to live in this little like online forum. Totally. Different if you're pulling it from a book that. You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. I know, no, yeah, and and I and I do think that if some people are doing that, making up again, just going back to what you sure, said, all sure. on the, the entirety of this uh, the catalog of the show, is everybody doing that? I doubt it. Doubt it. Yeah, yeah. Some people are doing it for sure. Yeah, but yeah, 
Just one has to be true. Mm -hmm. Just one. I feel like this show could have been named Just One. Just One. Just One. <laughs> it would not carry the same weight when you're trying to explain, like, what's a what's a podcast about? Just One. If uh, it's about if, this one person, maybe. If only one story is true, I hope it's not the doll story I told. Ah. Yeah. Where, where the thing gets is real murderous, violent. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Just that gun detail. That kind mm -hmm. of like slight possession. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's not it's not ongoing. It's not full time. It just seems like it's in these moments. Yeah, I felt like it possessed uh, whatever that thing was. Possessed Shelly. Oh yeah. Had to push her sister. But but first it was trying to like get to Michelle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, since you brought up uh, camping, yeah, I think that uh, it fits the bill that I also have out an outside story. Okay, good. A, a camping story, if you will. Uh, it's like such a good time of year to go camping too. It's like mm -hmm. the end of summer. It's still warm where you you don't have to be bundled up really well. Yeah. So I feel like these stories are super fun for this time of year. It's just like gathered around doing your spoopy tales. Absolutely. Yeah, I am into it. Well, let us let us find out. This is such a weird situation, and I, I'm so interested to hear what you think it could be at the end. Okay. Because it's just so bizarre. And so you're going to have to really follow along closely as we get into the the meat of the story. Because it's like, wait, wait, what's happening? Because yeah. there's this sort of like back and forth moment. So just be ready for it. Okay. It's, uh, okay. it's weird. Hey, Dan and Lindsay. I'm a new space lizard. That's an ode to time suck. Thank you. And have finally caught up on Is We Dumb? Rest in peace. After a week and a half and needed more to satisfy my need for entertainment during the day and scared to death seemed to fit the bill. After, for, after the first episode, I was hooked. Only a few years of episodes to listen to now. And I figure I should be caught up by the end of the month. Anyway, keep doing what you're doing. Now, this story takes place in northwestern Montana, near Kalispell, at a campground on Lower Thompson Lake. My wife at the time. Oh, my God. Sorry. You, you said uh, near Kalispell? Yeah. That is so random uh, because uh, just li listeners, um, you know, like we're going to record the next episode right after this one. Yeah. And I had not thought of that area in so long. And next episode, I have a story set near Kalispell as well. How? Like, that is weird coincidence. Well, and also, like I told you before we went into yeah. this, because you said like, oh, I have a story about the Appalachian Trails. Like, oh, in my next episode, I have an Appalachian Trails. And we have not talked about either one of these episodes dun, with dun, each other. Dun, dun, That's dun, weird. Dun, 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 something weird is happening. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. I also have a little burp coming. So one second. <laughs> All right. There we go. Okay. Uh, the story takes place in northwestern Montana, near Kalispell, at a campground on Lower Thompson Lake. My wife at the time, our two dogs, a lab and a pug, and I had taken a weekend to go camping and fishing at the lake. We had, we had an inflatable canoe that we took out on the water and had an enjoyable afternoon of fishing, as well as a run-in with the local game and fish officer, which resulted in a ticket for no life preservers on the canoe. It was an inflatable canoe, <laughs> and we weren't more than 100 feet from the shore. But also, oh don't mouth off to Game and Fish, telling them that you could probably swim better than they can, because you'll definitely get a ticket. Anyways, we were paddling around the lake and having a good time, looking into the mountains surrounding the lake. I made a comment about wondering if Bigfoot was up there watching us. Now, we're outdoor types of people, hiking, backpacking, fishing, camping. So we've always had good laughs about Bigfoot. The day was getting late, and the weather was starting to turn into a cloudy, rainy evening. We went back to camp, started a fire, and cooked dinner. 
The rain began to fall hard as the twilight crept upon us, and we decided to turn in for the night. We got into the tent and bedded down. I can't remember what time we turned in or how long we'd been asleep when the rain began to slow to a random sprinkle and the rain uh, and the wind also slowed down. Both of our dogs started growling aggressively. I figured out that there were, I figured there was a bear in camp and wasn't really worried about it, but I got up and loaded my rifle just in case. I had an AR-15 with a thousand lumen flashlight and red dot sight. <laughs> I'd been in the military approximately 15 years at this point, and I knew my way around firearms, and I was ready to chase that bear off. I didn't want to shoot it, but the flashlight and the noise could have been enough under the right circumstances to make it go away. As I was putting on my shoes to go outside, the dogs went from growling to whimpering and cowering close to my wife. I figured the bear or the moose or the mountain lion or whatever it was was getting closer to the tent. I stood up and I went to the door of the tent. And as I reached for the zipper, something swiped at the opposite side of the tent, enough to shake it. No holes, no claw marks, just a long swipe along the length of the tent, like someone dragging their hand across the surface. I followed the sound and I went towards the window on that side of the tent as slowly and as quietly as I possibly could. I unzipped the little window covering, but to my surprise, there was nothing outside. At least not that I could see. Weird. As I was looking through the little tent window, the sound of a swipe along the other side of the tent happened at the exact same side, at the exact same time on the door side. Both dogs were now shaking, whining, whimpering, trying to call, crawl underneath the sleeping bag. My wife was growing rather concerned, as was I. So now I went back to the tent door and I slowly started to unzip the cover of the window at the top of the door. And instantly, another swipe along the opposite side of the tent. No growling, no sounds of feet running along the dirt or the rocks, no sounds of the winds, just nothing other than the sound of our whimpering dogs. And so again, I go to the opposite side of the tent where the swiping sound had just come from. I had left the zipper on the window down just an inch or two, so I didn't have to make any noise unzipping it again. But still, nothing was out there. Just the blackness of the night. And then the swipe happened again on the door side of the tent. I quickly moved to see what it was, and again, nothing but blackness. And now my wife is crying hysterically, afraid that there was someone outside fucking around with us. But there were no sounds, no cars running, no wind, not even a breath other than our panting and our own panic. I decided to head out and confront whoever was doing this. My wife helped me unzip the door as I launched myself into the blackness of the night. Flashlight on, gun loaded, ready for a fight. I swept my rifle around looking for anything, but there was nothing at all outside. No person, no animal, no nothing. The ground was wet from the rain and I myself was leaving tracks with my bare feet. Surely, whatever had been out there had to have left tracks around the tent. But no, nothing. Okay, maybe branches from the brush were hitting the tent, despite there being no wind and our tent being at least five feet from the nearest brush. But we weren't any under, any, <coughs> under any trees and there were no fallen branches near where the tent was. I looked around and I circled the tent a few times, finding absolutely nothing. Other camps were quiet, no movement or noise came from them other than the faint glow of a dying fire and the random pop that the campfire makes. I stuck my head back into the tent, told my wife to pack up whatever she could carry, and I started the car. I backed it up to the door of the tent, opened the back of our SUV, and she jumped into the car wearing only her underwear. <laughs> I loaded up both dogs and we sped away from that campsite, leaving all of our belongings behind. We drove back to Kalispell that night, home where we were safe and sound. We both fell asleep in our bed, exhausted after such a weird encounter. 
When we woke up the next day, we discussed whether or not we should go back and get our stuff. Ultimately, we opted to go back and collect our possessions. I felt like we were going back to the scene of a crime, back to the location of a terrible accident. When we arrived at camp, everything was left as it was the evening before. Nothing was touched or moved. Nothing was torn up or destroyed. We collected our belongings, packed the car, and left the area. To this day, we have no explanation as to what occurred that night, what was swiping at our tent, what was out there in those woods. I'll never forget that night, and I'll never camp at that location ever again. I like that one. I like that it was just focused on this one sequence of details, you know, because sometimes these stories, you know, and that's how they really happen, of course. They're going to lay out in a more narrative form. Yeah. As opposed to just like a scene mm. of just one sequence of events. Sure. And that thing uh, where it was, oh, sorry, before I actually say this next part, I also loved um, when they phrased it, the writer um, switched fishing game to game and fish. Just that that simple switch is so funny to me. Just like when you see like a warden from game and fish. <laughs> I'm like, I wondered what you were writing down so frantically. I just thought that was funny. It's one of those game and fish people. Um, I, I just always heard it, you know, like, I mean, the other way so many times. For some reason, that okay. just made it feel like a... Um, like a, I don't know, like a goofier agent or something. Like like it was okay. like it was the B team of the fishing game. Okay. Get the, the game and fish wardens. Uh, but um, I love how you get hung up on silly little details like that. Like I would have never noticed that. Only because it creates a little scene in my head, and for whatever reason, that one it just painted a, a picture of like a really incompetent like game warden. Okay, I wondered where you like, went because out of the corner of my eye, I was <laughs> like, he is not. I mean, I knew you were listening. I'm not accusing yeah. you of not listening. I'm just saying I could see like I can always see it in your eyes when something else is happening. Yeah, like his badge is upside down or something. <laughs> um, but uh, it's like the Will Ferrell, <laughs> right? Exactly, the Will Ferrell of fishing game wardens. Um. <laughs> But the swiping, because it sounded like it was happening almost simultaneously from yes. different sides of the tent. Just like a back and forth, back and forth, back mm-hmm. and forth. Like, I'm at this side. Shoop. Now I'm on this side. Shoop. And to have no tracks around that. Like, no game tracks. And, and I was thankful that they included the detail of no tree branches were, because that happens a lot. I mean, and I, I've gotten scared about that, where you're sleeping in a tent and, like, a tree branch moves along. And it can just make, like, a kind of a... Uh, akin to like a scraping sound. Yeah. And then combined with the shadow, it can almost look like, depending on the branch, like a little arm or something out there, like stroking the side of your tent. But if none <sighs> of those none of those were in reach, yeah. yeah, what the hell was that? I thought, uh, I was very grateful for the detail about the tracks in the mud because I had that yeah. thought as I was reading it. I'm like, well, you're going to find something when you go out there. So no tracks in the mud. Yeah. So something yeah. floating on by. Right. Something that doesn't leave right. a, tra- a trace. Some like, I mm-hmm. mean, does the shadow man leave footprints? I don't know. And if it was just on one side, I mean, I, I might like like bats or something more. Oh, okay. You know, or but but just the way it was happening, both sides, and then they and then they went went out there. They didn't see anything. Because mm-hmm. uh, chances are, if there was a whole bunch, if there were so many bats in the area that they're right. bouncing off multiple sides of the tent at the same time, when you pop out. You're probably going to see them. Yeah. Probably going to get whacked in the head with one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or like when you turn on your lights in your car, like, you know, like Something, you're, you're going right? to see them. Yeah, I would think. Yeah. Or you hear them fluttering around. Well, and the dogs were so upset. And I thought it was uh, a yeah. specific detail that they went from growling to cowering. And that that means that, the dogs yeah. are really scared, right? And so, I don't, And I don't think a dog would cower over a bat. No. Sound. They might nah. be annoyed. They might get a little frantic, but. Yeah, I would think kind of like when a dog sees a bird, it just gets more amped up. Yeah. Like it wants to go chase him. Yeah. So for that, for the dogs to be so scared, I imagine them like picking up on a, a bad energy because mm, it's not mm-hmm. that they're seeing anything. 
So yeah. first they're protective of their owners, and then next they're freaking terrified. Yeah. 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 I also had a weird thing happen. I went to like write that note. <laughs> what distracted me? <laughs> what happened to your pen? <laughs> I don't know. I had I used this book as a, I used I used this book as a bookmark in the big book of stories to to uh, for my you know closing announcements. And I went to pull it out, and it had this pen in it. And one of these pens, I've never done it, but it just like I went to write in it, but I grabbed it, and half of it just broke silently broke off and just slid out onto the floor. <laughs> So I was trying not to distract you. And luckily I had another pen over here. But I'm like, well, that's weird. I've never had that happen. Uh, yeah, you were fut- futzing about a little bit. And I thought yeah. like, hey, what is happening? But yeah. yeah, I didn't want to stop. Do you need a different pen? No, are you, I, are you nope, happy nope. with your choice? I, I got it. Okay. I got one. You're with your substitute? Mm-hmm. All right. Possessions, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeek. I think I find possessions so terrifying because that loss of control. Like, you know, if something possessed my body in any way. Oh, yeah. That you're not yourself. That maybe... What if it's not consistent? It comes in and out of you. You yeah. don't know when it's going to happen. An invasion. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just, uh, yeah, to be so, oh man, what is the word? It was on the tip of my tongue a second ago. Uh, violated. Oh, violated. Violated. Okay. Where to, to have something like in you. Yeah. And, and controlling, yeah, you're, you're affecting your mind, mm-hmm. affecting your body. I mean, that would be like such a violation to like, if you were aware that you were saying hateful things to people around you that you weren't actually saying, yeah, but something was just using you like a puppet is terrifying. Yeah. And this particular possession story really struck me because the person being possessed is a hardcore skeptic. Mm -hmm. And that for some reason just always feels like, oh man, even worse. Cause they're going to be the last kind of person to believe that this could be happening to them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, which then to me gives it more validity. Mm-hmm. Let's check it out. Hello, my name is Jessica, and I'm hey, a huge, Jessica. Hi, Jessica, and I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I'm definitely a peeper, and I actually have no idea why I keep listening to this podcast <laughs> on my way home from my night shift job. You can catch me often turning on my lights and checking the back seat on the way home. Anyways, I knew I had to share my experience with you guys. In 2015, my family was going through a really hard time. We'd been evicted without notice from our house, but we had an aunt that lived in rural Alabama who was able to help us out. We moved our things to her house and stayed there while searching for a new home. At first, it was great. We had always been really close with my my aunt and my cousin was my very best friend growing up. So it was fun. We would take turns cooking dinner, watching movies together, and even going to a nearby lake for swims. One day, about four days into our stay, I went to check the mail for my aunt and noticed there was a letter for a person... Uh, for a name I didn't recognize. I asked my aunt, there's a letter here for Bill. Who's Bill? She shook her head and said, oh, he's the landlord's late father. Just put his mail on the mantle. They'll grab it when they come by to pick up the rent. At the time, I was working a full-time job about 30 minutes away in Georgia. My parents only had one vehicle, so I was staying with friends a lot during the days of the week to make it to work. I had, to, I had left to go back to Georgia that night. After working a few days and seeing friends, I was really starting to miss my family. We'd never been through anything like this before, and I was so used to seeing them every day, especially my siblings, who I'm super close with. So after three days, I was ready to go back to my aunt's so I could see everyone. After a long shift, I made my way back up the mountain and to her house. It was pretty late, and everyone was asleep except for my parents. I spent about an hour talking to them before going to lie down with my cousins and my sister. We were sharing a huge king-size bed at the time, trying to make room for everyone. I started to doze off, and as I was falling asleep, it felt like something was sitting on my chest and squeezing my heart. I bolted upright, Mm. looked around the room, nothing. Okay, I was overreacting. 
I scrolled on my phone for a few minutes waiting to be tired again. I finally started to fall asleep when the same thing happened again. And after it happened for a third time, I went to tell my parents what I was experiencing. My mom looked at me weird and shook her head and said, you're probably just exhausted. You've been working all week and we're going through a really tough time. It's probably just stress. Just say your prayers and get some rest. My dad, who'd always been a skeptic, and my mom, who had always been an avid believer in the paranormal, just like me, gave me little comfort. I was certain that if my mom thought it was nothing, that she was right. It was probably just stress. After all, she had been staying there longer than I had. If something was going on in this house, I was sure she would have been the first to notice. I laid back down and had no trouble going to sleep. The next day, we were getting ready for a cookout as it was the 4th of July. There were a lot more family over to celebrate. My dad's always been a recluse, an introvert. Where the crowd is, you will not find him. (laughs) I was needing his help with the grill, so I went to seek him out. He spent a lot of time in the sunroom at the house, so I figured that's where he would be. I went into the sunroom, and he was just standing there, staring out the window. Hey, Dad, can you help me with this grill? I can't seem to get it. My dad didn't turn around. Why are these people here? They shouldn't be here, he said. I shrugged. Uh, because it's a holiday and they wanted to get together? I thought he was being rude. My aunt was letting us stay with her when we had nowhere else to go, and now he was complaining about the people she had invited over to her own home? I was about to tell him my thoughts when he threw his phone down. It hit the concrete floor of the sunroom and bounced. This is my house! He sounded so angry. Dad? I asked, starting to feel slightly uncomfortable. He still hadn't looked at me. Bill, he said. Bill, he said once again in a low voice. I left the room and went to find my mom. I told her what had happened and she shook her head. Listen, there's something bad in this house. I keep seeing a dark shadow and every time your dad goes to the sunroom, he talks about Bill and how things used to be. I have no idea what he's talking about, but Reese, my aunt, said that the owner of this house was named Bill and he died here. We dropped it at that. I was completely spooked. I went to find my dad once again, but this time he was outside playing football with my uncle and cousins. He seemed completely normal. And after everyone had ate, I headed back down to my friend's house so I could be at work the next morning. The next day, my mom called and said they were leaving my aunts and going to stay with my grandmother because things weren't right there. I agreed with her and told her I would be up that night after work. That night, I went to my grandmother's. My dad was outside smoking a cigarette when I arrived. As I got out of the car, he looked at me like he was angry. I got full body chills. That was not my dad looking at me. That stupid bitch wanted to leave. (laughs) Took me away from my house. I want to go home, he said. Dad, what are you talking about? He started mumbling under his breath, but the only word I could make out was Bill. I went inside to change my clothes and shower. Just as I was making my way to the bathroom, I heard glass shattering outside. I ran out there to find my dad smashing in our car windows. He was busting every single window with a rock. He was beating dents in all over the car. And after he smashed the windows, he began digging through all of his stuff packed in the car, throwing things everywhere. He was walking through the yard and across the road where the neighbors had a pond just dumping his stuff into the water. My mom and I were freaking out, trying to get him to stop. My dad had never acted out aggressively before. My dad had always been such a gentle-hearted big teddy bear. I couldn't remember a time he acted this way. He took off, walking down the road. He wouldn't listen to any of us. He just kept going. There isn't much traffic on my grandmother's road because just like my aunt, she lived in a rural area. I took my grandmother's car to find my dad when he hadn't returned in about 30 minutes. As I made my way down the road, I noticed him laying in the center of the road. 
just laying there. I stomped on the brakes and got out of the car. I was crying and begging my dad, come on, let's go back to Nana's and get some sleep, dad. My dad looked at me like he'd just woken up from a deep sleep. He was so confused. He stood up and I noticed there was blood on his shirt. Why are you bleeding? I asked him. I thought maybe it had been from the glass of the car as he had punched, but he lifted his shirt and there were cuts all over his stomach. I was flipping the fuck out. I had a feeling that my dad was possessed. It was the only possible explanation. We made it back to the house safely. My dad was so upset about the car and all of his stuff being strewn all over the place. He had no recollection of that happening. The next day was normal. And the day after that, normal. It had been about two weeks and we were finally moved into our own place again. My last year of school was just about to start. My parents, siblings, myself, and a cousin were having a little cookout to celebrate finding our new house. I went inside to clean up and start the dishes when I heard my mom freaking out. I ran back outside just in time to see my dad throwing up. He was throwing up and smacking himself in the chest like someone would if they had something stuck in their throat. And after a few seconds, he stopped, and we all saw it. A dark, dark shadow floated out of his body. Oh my God. It's been almost seven years and my dad has been the same as he's always been before this happened. I'm more than sure my dad was possessed and that it started at my aunt's house is the only explanation. Since then, my aunt has moved and they haven't been able to keep that house rented since, or so she says. To this day, I won't even drive past that house. I always take a different route or go down a back road. My dad is no longer a skeptic. If we bring it up, he changes the subject and quickly. He says he will always feel bad about what happened with the car and making everyone freak out, but he swears it wasn't him. And I believe him. Jessica. Thanks, Jessica. I don't know that I've heard that on one of our stories. I've seen that. I know I've seen something similar like in horror movies and and come across other stories, but that maybe we've had a story that's come up, but, but the actual, actually witnessing, visually witnessing something come out of someone, like a little shadowy thing, and then have them be normal again. Blah. Did not like that. Mm-mm, that is super creepy. Super creepy. You're getting a couple chuckles out of him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Just uh, just my reaction. Just more like surprise. Maybe like nervous yeah. laughter. Like I, yeah. Uh, I knew it wasn't funny, but just like the the shocking things. Like God, oh, this bitch made me come over here. You know those type of things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would be. Um... <laughs> but I think that's a good reaction, actually. I mean, because imagine how she must have felt. Like probably a little bit of the same. Like, wait, what? Wait, what? What did you say? What did like, you say, Dad? Come what is, on. What is happening? Yeah. Yeah, to see someone so out of their element, so not like themselves, behaving with such anger and aggression when they've always been a, a good person. Like, a, mm-hmm. not, it's not about good or bad, but just a calm person. Uh, yeah. That felt like a little different, too, than a lot of, like, you know, quote-unquote possession stories where he kept going to that one room mm-hmm. where he would uh, reference Bill, the previous owner, as opposed to, like, uh, you know, usually possession stuff is, um, again, like we mentioned earlier, like demonic Right, you know, not not based on a ghost. Mm-hmm. Uh, can be like s- something appearing to be a ghost and then mm-hmm. revealing its true form. But that was interesting. It was like more like a story, like a typical like a uh, haunting, like mm-hmm. a, a activity. But then s- one of the entities doing the haunting or the entity doing the haunting then possesses somebody and they go to a different location, what was like the grandma's house, uh-huh. and are still acting that way. And then I think come back to the original house and then it comes out of them. And no, then, they didn't go back to the original house. Well, they house. didn't go back. But then, okay. But like they brought, so I guess the attachments and stuff, we've covered mm-hmm. those before, where people bring part of a haunting with them somewhere else. But I don't know that we've had it, had somebody bring a haunting that way. Or maybe we have. I don't think so. But actually, I, I thought you touched on something really uh, that I hadn't considered. Yeah. That Bill, yeah. it didn't have to be Bill. It may have presented itself that right. way as the former owner 
but it could have been something else entirely because you're right. That doesn't really seem to make sense. Like it would make sense when they were at the aunt's house where Bill died, that Bill would show up and reveal himself, but for Bill to possess somebody or to like, I I don't know. That, that is a, a a very weird detail that I Mm -hmm. hadn't, thought been, about from that angle we've been doing it so long now and i've watched so many horror movies and horror series just you know like a lot of people who listen to the show over the course of my life that now i'm having a hard time like wait a minute have we ever had a story so it's getting harder to remember yeah. all the different types of stories we've had i know but but that one felt very unique to me yeah no i really liked it i really liked it so there you have it do you want to do some shootouts i do want to do some shootouts i have to <laughs> use a a coaster now. <laughs> there's the rest. There's another part of that pen. There's more parts on the floor. What do you need a coaster for? It became my bookmark <gasps> oh, when I took my book, oh. bookmark out. I'm surprised you didn't smash a Layla in there. <laughs> uh, do you want me to start with the Annabelles? Thanking them for supporting us on Patreon? Sure. Go right ahead. I would like to thank uh, Mild Inconvenience. <laughs> guessing that's a birth name. Alex Bindara. <laughs> Brain Clothes. Nice. Jennifer Ramirez. I think it's supposed to be Brian Close. I think that I inverted the letters. Oh, Brian Close. Okay. That sounds like an actual name. Yeah, because you know what? Actually, I remember- Brain Close is a very different vibe. <laughs> I remember typing brain and then being like, well, that's not right. And then erasing it. And then I must have made the same typo. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. Sorry, Brian. Uh, Fluffy Smitten Kitten. <laughs> Chantel Falgout. Or Falgout. Falgo. Uh, F-A-L-G-O-U-T. I bet it's Falgo. Falgo. Oh, okay. Uh, Samus Alistair. Is that Seamus? It's S-A-M-U-S. Is that how they spelled it? Seamus. No e? I didn't do that. Seamus. Because Seamus is with an E in there. S-E-A-M-U-S. Mm-hmm. No, I uh, feel the like Irish I know, name, the Gaelic name. I feel like I know a Seamus without an E. Huh. All right. Well, maybe maybe Seamus. Maybe Seamus. Uh, Bailey Llewellyn. Jaden Mueller. Cynthia. Uh, Crystal K. Call. Sharona Evans. Travis Holliday. Leah King. Kara McBride. Uh, Laura Schultz, Carrie Williams, Casey Cash. Sounds like a radio DJ name. It reminds me of Casey Kasem. Oh, Casey Kasem. Casey Cash. Uh, Nicole Freeman, Megan Miller, Kendra Abbott, Joan Thompson, Heather Carson, James William McCloskey. And uh, last one. Oh, this is uh, for sure not a real name. A semi-sentient colony of bees. That's a very specific. Semi-sentient colony of bees. Interesting. Like, like Mothman? <laughs> no. Like like made of bees, wasn't that the right uh, original no. Mothman? Candyman. 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 Oh, close. I was so close. There was a man in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, I would like to thank the following Annabelle's also for supporting us on Patreon. Kristen the Human, Elizabeth Reynolds, Matthew Rhea, Yolanda Belcher, Nikki Hayes, Zachary Isaac, Ivy Snedeker, Brandon Mori, Hannah Lee Wilson, Sheila, Shyla. Uh, S-H-I-L-E-A, Sheila Chance, Sheila Chance, Jess Bradby, Logan Omley, Caitlin Jeffers, Sean Powell, Kelsey Gallimore, Brandy Murphy, Dr. Chris Wack, Amanda Shelton, Sergio Congraj, no idea, K-H-O-N-G-R-A-J. Yeah, I don't right, know That's either. tricky. That's yeah, a hard that, one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Norman Gordon, Shane McDowell, Christy Huang, Courtney Peters, Rachel Heidecker, and Sean Ernest. Those are some hard ones this week. I, w- I would like it if we started getting corrections on very common names. Like like instead of Logan, it's, uh, it's Logan. It's Lu- Lugan. Like instead of Smith, they're like, it's Smythe. 
Mm-hmm. That that is something that <laughs> the, the M is silent. It's scythe. You know, like can you get crazy? Uh, no. I, I, uh, I, I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but I think it's been a while. But I used to, you know, co-host a show a long time ago with a, a person someone named Andrea. Mm. And uh, but they would sometimes be called Andrea mm-hmm. and get so mad about it. But it's spelled exactly the same. Like those are the toughest ones where you, right. I feel like you can't get mad. Is if uh, you know the exact same spelling is pronounced like two or three different ways. Sure. Oh names. Oh names. And you and you said you got spooky shoutouts. I have just a few. Thank you so much. Uh, to Dan Era from Jake. I love you, and I'm so excited to spend our lives together. To David from Kelly. This is funny. I hope your day is commonly regular. Lots of love and spoops. <laughs> David doesn't like his birthday being celebrated. Yeah. So just, okay. just we hope you have like a really boring, a boring totally normal day. Yep, Not another, even your birthday. Just another day. And to Nugget from Dylan, I love you and I miss you. Oh, well, that was very nice. And that was our show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thank you for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Email us for everything else. Info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks, Logan Keith, for his work on social media. And Logan, again, for running the badmagicmerch.com store. Thanks to producer Sophie Evans for finding the second story today. I was able to find the first. Thanks to Logan Keith for producing and directing, uh, along with new producer Tyler C. Tyler. Helping behind the scenes with production as well, and so many other things now. Uh, thanks to Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation. Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. Book editor Drew Atana for polishing and preparing the listener stories now uh, for book number four. Uh, and yet again, like I, I think this is since the first time, first weekly episode we've talked about. Yeah, Tyler's been doing a great job. So we are um, so happy with our with our new producer. So we can't wait for more of you to meet him. And a lot of people met him at summer camp. We yeah. talked about that on the Patreon episode, but not in the regular feed. And uh, yeah, everybody uh, seemed to fall in love with him, and he mm-hmm. was having the best time, which was it was just so much fun to see. I saw on the Facebook group from summer camp, it was like something about like, did so did we convert him? Meaning like, is he in the cult now? Eh. It's like, okay, all right. <laughs> they love him. Oh, that's great. We love him too. And then get those stand-up tour tickets, dancummins.tv, uh, for both the fall club dates and the winter theater dates. Help sell those theaters out. It's Yay. such a big deal. Oh, it is. I'm excited. Uh, enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers. Hope you were scared to death. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but have no home here within scared to death. Bad Magic Productions. Lemon, lime, and a drop of cherry make a simple Shirley. But what happens when Tito's handmade vodka reveals this sweet sipper's dirty secret? Stir up a Tito's dirty Sherlock and crack the case with Tito's at titosvodka.com. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.